I'm Pastor Daryl Curtis, and you're listening to the 37th part of my sermonic review of the biblical design of gender, in which my point is that Deborah in the book of Judges shows us that God is willing to use whomever is willing to say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The following is a presentation of the Family Life Baptist Church in Lansing, Michigan. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com. But at any rate, our lesson for this morning on the 8th of August is the 37th part of our sermon series on the biblical design of gender. And the text is in the book of Judges, chapter 4, verse 9. And in it, the Bible says this. So Deborah said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. God bless the reading of his word and let us bow our heads in a word of prayer. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you afresh for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ, for the perfect teaching ministry of your blessed Holy Spirit, and for his ability to explain your word. So Lord, give us the words to say and let us say them with liberty, with clarity, and with boldness and that somebody listening might believe the report. Thanking you in advance for all that you are going to do in the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now, thank you very much for coming to hear this message today. And before we begin this, our next lesson, let us reiterate our reason for attending church. We attend church to obtain the mind of Christ, meaning to have the Bible illuminated in our minds so that we can clearly understand the principles that Jesus taught and base our daily personal decisions on those principles. We come to church because we want to be obedient to the Bible, which is the doctrine of Jesus Christ in an informed, insightful, and intelligent manner. Our takeaway point in this series on the biblical design of gender is that God has designed man as the cooperative coalition of husband and wife so that man can successfully achieve the objective that God has given us to exercise dominion over the earth, developing wisdom and knowledge in preparation for further responsibility in our eternal life. Now, in our last lesson, the Israelites crossed the Jordan River and began their conquest of the promised land with the capture of the town of Jericho. God instructed Joshua, the leader of Israel, Israel, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And the Lord gave the Israelites specific instructions as to how to live to conquer the promised land. The law of Moses told Israel in Exodus chapter 23 verse 19 the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. 
And Jericho was the first fruits of the Israelites' conquest of the promised land. Joshua chapter 6, verse 17 through 19 and 21 instructed Israel, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in her house, because she hid the messengers we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And the Israelites utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Now the Israelites only saved the possessions belonging to the woman that cooperated with the spies and the vessels to go into the Lord's treasury because of the instructions of God. Now, the Israelites had no power to knock down the walls of Jericho. They had to rely on God the Father to do so. And it is a tenet of familial relationships that the one that has the responsibility makes the rules. Now, on a particular occasion, a certain adolescent young lady was complaining to her school counselor about her parents. My parents just aren't fair, said the young lady, and their rules are terrible. They tell me who I can hang out with and how much time I can spend on my phone. Well, they are your parents, replied the counselor. Don't you think that they know more about life than you do? Well, life was different when they were kids, said the girl. They didn't have texting. How can they know how many messages I need in a day? They told me 50, and that's not nearly enough. Well, let me ask you, replied the counselor, who pays the bill for your cell phone? Well, they paid the bill, but I would pay it if they didn't want to, replied the girl. With what money, said the counselor? Do you have a job? Well, I babysit for the neighbors sometime. I could use that money, replied the girl. Every month? Do you earn enough to pay for your phone every month, do you think? Asked the counselor. How much is your phone bill? My parents have a family plan, said the girl, and my phone bill is $5 a month. Young lady, said the counselor, your phone is only $5 a month because your parents are paying for the rest of the bill. If you had your own phone, you'd have to pay the whole bill, which would be closer to $40 a month or more. Could you afford that? Well, I probably could if I skipped lunch or bought a lunch from home, replied the girl. Where do you get your lunch money? asked the counselor. Uh, from my parents, replied the girl. So if you brought a lunch from home, why would they give you lunch money, asked the counselor. So you would have to get the money from your parents and then skip lunch every day. How could you learn in the afternoon if you were hungry? Well, I'd figure something out, said the girl. Let me explain how life works, said the counselor. The one that has the responsibility gets to make the rules. Right now, your parents have the responsibility for you. They are responsible for your housing, the car that you borrow. They make sure that, you, that they have homeowners, car, and health insurance in case you need to see a doctor. 
They buy your clothes and shoes and pay for your cell phone and whatever else you have. Since your parents have all the responsibility, they get to make the rules. But if you don't like your parents' rules, your alternative is to move out of their house and live on your own. As soon as you take responsibility for your own life, you can do whatever you want to do. Once you move out, you can talk and text all day long, hang out all night and party to your heart's content because you will be responsible to and for yourself. You'll just have to get money and pay your bills on your own because your parents will not be responsible for you. So don't complain about your parents' rules. In their house, they get to make the rules. All you have to do is move into your own house and then you can make the rules. Do you understand? But how can I move? I can't get a job, said the girl. The counselor sighed. You could at least try, the counselor said. But if you don't think you can move, it would be the smart thing to just be grateful that your parents are taking responsibility for you and then just follow your parents' rules. Proverbs 30 and 17 says, the eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Did you know that your parents don't owe you a cell phone, but they are giving you a phone as a gift? Think of everything that they give you, including food and clothing, a roof over your head, and your cell phone as a gift and be grateful. And if you don't feel grateful, then move out of their house and gratitude will not be an issue for you. Eating might, but gratitude won't. Your parents love you, so they take care of you in the style to which you are accustomed. But parents don't have to take care of their children past food and clothing. Some parents don't. The parents that do are giving their children a wonderful gift and the children should be grateful. So I should be grateful for 50 texts a day when other kids get the text as much as they want, asked the girl. Yes, said the counselor. There are some kids that don't have cell phones. They can't text at all. So be grateful for the gift of fixed 50 texts per day that your parents have given you and realize that you will always have more than some and less than others. And if 50 texts are not enough for you, you can always get your own job, place to live, food, insurance, and cell phone, and then nobody can tell you to ever stop texting as long as you pay the bill. If you want the power, you have to take the responsibility. Now, gratitude for that which we have will help us to not forget the Lord. As Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10 through 12 tells us, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage 
Now, the Bible tells us of the benevolence of God in James chapter 1, verse 17, when it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variance or a shadow of turning. And when God withdraws his gifts from us, we find ourselves in terrible shape. Joshua chapter 6, verse 27, chapter 7, verse 2 through 5 tells us, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the country. Now Joshua to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up from there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about thirty-six men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Now, Israel's power to defeat the people of the promised land did not come from their military prowess, but from the gift of the power of God. God brought down the walls of Jericho and allowed the Israelites to strike down the people of Jericho with the sword. But God did not allow the Israelites to defeat the people of Ai. Why? God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 7, verse 11 and 12, Israel have sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Now, God is the model of a good parent. God knows that we, his children, will be spoiled if he doesn't discipline us. Proverbs 22 and 15 and 29 and 15 tell us, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And it is important for us to understand that there are no children that are innately good. Psalm 58 and 3 tell us the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. So children are born into the ranks of the wicked, and children that are indulged but not disciplined never leave those ranks. Proverbs 19 and 18 and 13 and 24 tell us, Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Chastening may save children. We are all born sinners, but there is a hope that chastening will be effective at saving us and keeping us from destruction. And Israel is God's child. Exodus 4.22 tells us, Then you, Moses, shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, 
Israel is my son, my firstborn. And foolishness is bound up in the heart of Israel. God used the rod of correction on Israel at Ai to show Israel the wisdom of obeying him. And to find out which individual was disobedient, God told Joshua to line up the tribes the next morning and cast lots over them. And the tribe upon whom the lot fell was the tribe that sinned. Then Joshua was to cast lots over all the clans in the tribe, and the clan upon whom the lot fell was the clan that sinned. And the lot casting was to continue over smaller and smaller groups until the individual that sinned was exposed. Joshua chapter 7, verse 18 through 21 records, Then Carmi brought his household man by man, man by man, and Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the God of Israel and make confession to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. So 36 Israelites were killed in battle with Ai because of 250 shekels and a garment. Joshua chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 records, Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And in the succeeding battle with Ai after the death of the sinner Achan, the Israelites successfully destroyed the people of Ai and plundered their land. Then Joshua performed a ceremony to make sure that all of the Israelites knew the content of their relationship with God. Joshua chapter 8, verse 34 and 35 records, And afterward Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. Now, as the situation went on, after, half, after conquering about half of the promised land, Joshua sent men into the remainder of the land to map it so that it could be apportioned among the seven tribes that had not completed the conquest of their territory. Then Joshua, as his last official act as the leader of the children of Israel, challenged Israel to follow God. As Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 18 and 26 through 29 tells us, that Joshua said, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord 
And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people whom through we passed. And the Lord drove them out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, This stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And after Joshua's death, the war with the Canaanites continued, as Judges chapter 1, uh, verse 1, 2, and 19 tell us. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So the Lord was with Judah, and they drove out the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. And just as the Israelites failed against Ai, they failed against the inhabitants of the lowland. But the Israelites did not repent as they did under Joshua. Judges chapter 1 verse 28 tells us, And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites out of tribute, but did not completely drive them out. And Israel made the conscious decision that it was better to hang on to the Canaanites who were paying them than to drive the Canaanites out of the law. So in Judges chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you into the land of which I swore to your fathers, and I said I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. And since Israel has such miraculous experiences with and worship the Lord, how could the gods of the people of the land ensnare them? Judges chapter 2 verse 10 records, when all that generation of Joshua's contemporaries had been gathered to their fathers, which means they died, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, 
nor the work he had done for Israel. Remember how the Pharaoh that did not know Joseph led to the destruction of Egypt? And as I said earlier, we are all born sinners, but there is hope that chastening will be effective at saving us and keeping us from destruction. Children must be trained to follow God. And we can see in our own generation that generally speaking, the younger the person, the more secular they are in their thinking if they are not trained to be Christians. And that was the case with the nation of Israel. Judges chapter 2, verse 11 through 12 tell us, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. Now you, were, you may remember the case of Israel worshiping the Baal of Peor at Acacia Grove. The worship of Baal has an extraordinary pull because, as Numbers 25 told us, the act of Baal worship is sexual intercourse with a ritual prostitute. And the sexual component of idol worship sells much better than the worship of God, which is the reason that Numbers 25 recorded God's admonition that the children of Israel not try to coexist with these people of the land in the first place. But although God admonished the people to not forsake their study of the book of the law, the people did so, and due to their lack of knowledge, the people forgot the real reason that they were to destroy the people of the land, forgot that they were not to worship Baal, and also forgot about God. The Israelites became so arrogant as to forget that their conquest in the promised land were the work of God, thinking that they could coexist with the Canaanites by becoming like them. So Judges chapter 2 verse 14 tells us, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, so they could no longer stand before their enemies. Now Israel was a nation that could only win a battle through their, through their reliance on the power of God. So the nation of Israel soon fell to their enemies and their punishment caused them to reflect on their abandonment of God and to groan and cry out to him, much like that young woman we discussed earlier would have done had she gone out on her own. And although God heard Israel's cry and rescued them, Israel re didn't really learn from her mistakes. Judges chapter 2, verse 16 and 19 records, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those that plundered them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. So this problem became an intergenerational problem. Gener generation after generation and tribe after tribe of the nation of Israel were not trained in the law of God, so they forsook God to worship Baal. Then they were enslaved and cried out to God for a judge to save them. 
the judge brought the tribe back to the law of God, but they still did not train their children who repeated the cycle. And by the fourth chapter of the book of Judges, the nation had broken down once again. And this time, God called a woman to judge Israel for a very specific reason. Judges chapter 4, verse 2, 4, and 4 through 7 tells us, So the Lord sold Israel into the land of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harosheth Hagoim. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Aboim, from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor, Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. Against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. So Deborah gives Barak marching orders from God. Barak responds in Judges chapter 4, verse 8, and Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. This is the wrong response. When called by God, Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. When Jesus was called on by God to go to the cross, he prayed in Luke 22 and 42 saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And when men are given their marching orders from God, they are generally not supposed to call on women other than their wives to go with them to do God's will. Men are certainly not supposed to take women into a known battleground situation. But Barak did so and was rebuked by God and Deborah in the text, Judges chapter 4, verse 9 records, So Deborah said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Thus Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, why was Barak afraid to go into the battle without Deborah? Well, because Deborah was the judge. The judge was the one that told people what thus saith the Lord. How? Joshua 1.8 tells us, This book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And the judges in Israel could judge for two reasons. One, they had a copy of the book of the law to which they could refer. And two, they referred to their copy of the book of the law. Deborah knew objectively that Joshua chapter 19, verse 17, 22 and 23 said, The fourth lot came to Issachar for the children of Issachar according to their families. And the border reached to Tabor, Shazimah, and Beth Shemesh. Their border entered at the Jordan, 16 cities with their villages. 
This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Issachar, according to their families, the city and the villages. And the Tabor in Judges chapter 4, verse 6, was the same Tabor to which Joshua 19 and 22 referred. So Deborah told Barak to take the land that the, pro that the Lord promised to the tribe of Issachar during the time of Joshua in fulfillment of prophecy. So Deborah is not making any great mystical leap, but is merely calling on the Lord to do that which he promised and on Barak and the 10,000 to be instruments of that policy. But Barak, as the leader of the tribe of Issachar, could have had a copy of the book of the law himself, and God instructed him to have one, but Barak chose not to invest in the word and relied on Deborah to tell him what thus said the Lord. And since Deborah was the one that meditated in the law, and Deborah showed her faith by going to the front with Barak, Deborah was the one that God chose to honor. So although God says that the husband is the head of the wife, when the husband abdicates his responsibility, God will use the wife to get the job done. And Deborah shows us that God will use whomever is willing to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Lord is still keeping promises in this day and time. He says in John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And in our dispensation, to overthrow the idolatrous king that has enslaved us does not require 10,000 men. But as Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 tell us, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And just as God promised Mount Tabor to Barak and the tribe of Issachar, God has promised eternal life to us. Jesus died so that our sins might be forgiven and that we might have a right through faith in his name to eternal life. So let us, as 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 tells us, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And the good confession is that of faith in Jesus Christ. Let not his gospel depart from our mouths, but let us meditate in it day and night. For then he will make our way prosperous, and then we will have good success. And that is our lesson for today. Let us pray. Christian God, our Father, we thank you this morning for these examples, for the way that you train the nation of Israel for the example of bringing up children that you have given us and we ask you Lord that in our sick society when so many people are living life backwards we ask you Lord that you would give us the mind to train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they get old they will not depart from it and now Lord we thank you for all that are in the house today 
And we ask you that you would give us traveling mercies as we go down from this place. And then bring us back once again at the appointed time. And now, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your grace. And most of all, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross, for rising from the dead on that Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and thank God. Thank you for listening. We hope you were blessed by this presentation. For more audio and video content, please visit FamilyLifeBC.com.